Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be here once again with the body of Christ, Lord, here to worship you and to give you thanks and to learn more about you, Father, learn more about what you have for each of our lives, Father, and we just, uh, we, we just bless, bless you for that, and we ask that you would bless this time, anoint this time, Father, in your word, Lord, uh, that we would, even as the song said, that we would have broken hearts, we would have a... a the right heart, Lord, to, to come before a holy God, Father. We thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for your grace, Lord, and we pray that you would strengthen us each and every day as we seek to follow you, as we seek to bring you honor and bring you glory. Lord, bless tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you say hello to the person next to you? Well, good evening. Welcome. Welcome to Sunday evening service. I'm going to start just with a, a quick question. Have you ever felt like you needed more strength? You might feel that right now, right? Have you ever felt like when you put everything that you have into something or into someone... You put everything that you have, maybe into a project, or maybe you're helping a brother or sister or a friend, and you put everything into that, and you just don't have enough left. You don't have anything left, and you need more strength. I think it's safe to say that everybody needs more strength, right? Everybody needs more strength to accomplish certain things. Maybe you need physical strength to achieve a, a physical goal. Maybe you need emotional strength to deal with uh, the issues of life, and there are plenty. Maybe you need spiritual strength to understand exactly what it is God is doing in your life. Everybody needs more strength to, to progress. Everybody needs more strength to progress spiritually in our walk with Christ. And the big question that we're going to ask and answer tonight is, where do I get that strength? I think we may know the answer to that, but we're going to, we're going to break that down a little bit because for, for the believer, the believer is reminded in his word, in Scripture, that we can trust God for many things. Some of the songs that we sang tonight speak of that. We can trust God for joy, for peace, for power, for provision, for love, and no doubt for strength. We're reminded we can, that we can depend upon the Lord to get us through and to get us past every situation that we may face, every challenge that we may face. And we're reminded that we can trust and depend upon Him to give us what we need when we need it. So if we seek first the kingdom of God, He will give us what we need to move forward 
in the Lord. He will give us what we need to move forward in Christ. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. See, from his sovereign position on the throne of heaven, the Lord watches over the universe that he created. The Lord God is in control and he's actively involved in the lives of those that seek him. See, if you look at what's going on around the world, you'll see that the Lord is moving and doing great things. The Lord is moving and doing great things in the lives of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those that hunger and thirst for his goodness and for the riches of his grace. Whether it's in the Middle East or parts of Africa, parts of Asia, uh, any, anywhere in the Americas, North America, Central America, South America, God is on the move in his, in his church. And we know that he's actively involved in the lives of those that seek him. In Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 28, this is what we read. Have you not known? Have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not grow weak nor weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the weary, and to those that have no might, he increases strength. Even the young shall shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Lord does not grow weary, and neither should we. But we have those moments that we get close to that. Though. We have those moments where we're out of strength. We have those moments in life that we're tired. But the Lord does not grow weary. So tonight, I want to talk about strength. I want to talk about a, a few ways that can help us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Tonight we'll begin a three-week series that's entitled simply, Be Strong. We'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll be looking at how we can be strong. Strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We'll be looking at how we can be strong and not ashamed. And we'll be looking at how we can be strong and sanctified. So we'll begin by just looking at the first two verses here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and getting into this study. Verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit the same to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, Timothy was a young pastor at the church in Ephesus. And in this church, he faced some very challenging circumstances. So Paul here is challenging this young pastor to persevere in these challenges and to be strong by using all of the tools that the Lord provides. In his first letter to Timothy, Paul encourages him to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, and love, and the gentleness that a man of God should possess. Here in this second letter, Paul is encouraging Timothy to, to persevere. Persevere in the same way that a soldier, an, an athlete, or a hard-working farmer 
or works to succeed in their field or their profession. If we were to put just a fraction of the time and the effort that these gifted individuals put into their, their, their field, we would live a very blessed life, wouldn't we? If we were to put in just a fraction of the time that these professionals put into their, their field, we would live a life that is strong, a life that is vibrant, a life that is filled with favor, a life that is more rewarding than what anybody could imagine. See, what we find in this chapter are some great principles that can make us strong, can keep us strong in our walk with Christ. Paul gives Timothy some very specific ways to get strength. In the very first point, in, in verse 1, he says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Twenty-five times. Twenty-five times Paul encouraged Timothy to be strong and to persevere in his work in Ephesus. See, strength and power are readily available to every believer. Nothing that we can do, nothing that we can say can create more or make more available. It's there. It's there for the taking. It's there in his word. The strength that Paul was telling Timothy to have was not his own strength. Not his own strength that he was able to, to, to gather up and present as a man. It wasn't about his ability to to do a presentation. No, it's the strength that the Lord has already made available to us. All we have to do is enter into His grace that is given. See, if we can recognize the, the origin and the meaning of grace, we could put ourselves in a much better position to benefit from it. Grace means unmerited favor. And it speaks of God's graciousness toward us. Grace means that God gives us everything that we need to live a life of godliness. It means that He's given us His Word. He's given us all that Jesus accomplished on the cross. He's given us His Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth. He's given us the, His armor, the armor of God. He's given us the fruit of the Spirit, the riches of His grace, and so much more. The list can go on and on and on, can't it? about all that he's given us to live a life of godliness. We just have to remind ourselves of that, don't we? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. You see, he's given us the strength that we need to move forward in the Lord every day. All we have to do is humble ourselves so that we can receive all that he's given. Scripture tells us that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. In 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Divine help is what we have access to if we would just humble ourselves and seek his hand in every area of our lives. To cast your cares upon him is a, is a continual word that, that, that speaks of continually casting, continually giving. Every moment, every day, you're giving your cares to the Lord and you're emptying yourself so that you can be filled 
with what he wants us to have. See, as we surrender our lives to his sovereign will, we quickly discover, we quickly discover, we quickly discover that he gives it back. You give him your life, he gives it back to you with, with his favor, with his power. He gives it back so that, so that he can lift us up and place us where we need to be. See, Paul understood something about grace. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You, you're probably familiar with this, this section of Scripture. Paul understood something about grace. He understood because he personally had a physical, physical condition that he just could not get rid of. This ailment, whatever it was, was described as being a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan in his, in his life. This thorn was an annoyance or a disability that was just a constant blow to his life. In verse 8 is where we'll, we'll pick it up. Paul prayed to be delivered of this annoyance or this disability. In verse 8 it says, For this thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will, I will rather glory in my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may overshadow me. Therefore I am pleased in weaknesses, in insults, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul begged the Lord three times that he would relieve him of this annoyance. And sometimes we can pray like that, can't we? There's a circumstance, there's an annoyance, there's a disability, there's something in our lives that's just pounding our lives and it really makes life difficult. And we want the Lord just to get rid of it. We ask the Lord over and over and over again, Lord, can you deliver me from this circumstance? And we don't always understand how the Lord may respond. We just pray for things to change. But when it comes to a burden like the one Paul had, what he was experiencing, there are two ways, basically, that the Lord would choose, could choose to deal with it. The first is that this particular disability would just be removed, that it would just be taken away, that it would be out of his life. Now the second, which is how the Lord responded in, in this case, is that, that the Lord would strengthen the shoulders of the person carrying the burden. Do you know of anybody that if the Lord answered a prayer like that, they walked away because that wasn't the prayer. That's not what they wanted. That's not what they were asking God to do. So if they didn't answer, if God didn't answer the way they thought he should answer, they walked away. What comes to mind as I was working on this was the, the movie. came out quite a few years ago, God's Not Dead. Remember the first one? Remember that professor? The professor, he was just so against God that on the very first day of his class, he asked all of the students to write on a piece of paper and sign it just to get this out of the way. God is dead. Well, there was one student, there was one student that would not do that. 
There was one student that just was not right with that. And he, he hit the books. And he started studying. And he started really, he was ready to talk to this professor and say, this, this can't be. Because I know God is not dead. God is not dead. God is very much alive. And why, we, we find out later that, that God didn't answer that professor's prayer. The way he thought he should answer it. God didn't answer that prayer the way he wanted him to answer that prayer. So he walked away. He must, he, somehow he came to the conclusion that, that God is dead. So he just began to, to tell that in every class that he was teaching. It came out as they debated during this. Towards the end of the movie, they began a, a very vigorous debate. He actually gave him time in the class to prove him wrong. And it came out. The student asked him, why are you so angry at God? And finally it came out because he didn't answer the prayer the way he wanted God to answer the prayer. Because he didn't save his mother. His mother passed away. And he thought, as sometimes we can think, that if I really, I really want someone to live or I really want something to change or I really want something to, to, to go in this direction or that direction, then that's got to be the way to go, right? And then the Lord shows us or the Lord simply tells us no. That's what happened with this professor. And I believe right at the end of the movie, in an accident, he gets saved. Praise God for that. But we don't have to go through all of that. We should try to understand that sometimes the answer to a prayer is that he would strengthen the shoulders of the person carrying the burden. And that's what he was doing with Paul here, isn't it? He strengthened his shoulders and he told them, my grace is sufficient for you. The Lord's plan here is that he would give Paul the strength to persevere in spite of this apparent weakness, this, this annoyance, this disability, whatever it is. For Paul, he didn't get the answer that he wanted, but he got the answer that he needed. Paul then, by personal experience, could tell Timothy that he could be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul knew what it meant when the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul could say, when I am weak, then I am strong. And don't we have to get to that point sometimes? We just have to get to that point where we're, where we're completely done. We're completely done and then the Lord gives us what we need to move forward, to get past that. The, the annoyance, the disability, whatever it might be, the, the, the thorn in my flesh is still there. It's not going away, but he gives us what we need to live with it. We must first recognize our insufficiency so that the Lord can come up with what we don't have to be our sufficiency. Our sufficiency is in Christ, isn't it? And we just have to remember that. See, when we're gaining strength from the grace of God and watching the Lord do His work, we're much more able to testify and to teach others about what God is doing personally and around the world. 
you hear about some of the things that are going on around the world. You hear about the Iranians that the, the Lord is, is, is visiting in the midst of a very oppressive government. You hear about some of the things that is going on around the world and, and where God is moving. Even though sometimes our only understanding is that the situation is, is really, really bad. And it is. It is really bad. But in certain places, at certain times, God is on the move because somebody is hungering and thirst, thirsting for righteousness. Sometimes the work that the Lord is doing in our life is not always what we want or what we're asking, but it's always exactly what we need, isn't it? So grace and strength can only come as a gift of God. Remember what, what Paul told the Philippian church? He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I guess we should move on to another verse. In 2 Timothy, in, in verse 2 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit the same to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He's telling Timothy that those things that you've seen, those things that you've heard, are the things that we can commit to the people who are here with the body of Christ. These are the people that will share. These are the people that will serve. These are the people that the Lord is doing a work in His church and that He is actively looking for more people who have a heart to be used by God. Remember the story in 2 Chronicles. It's actually chapter 14 through 16. Just a quick summary of it. It's, it's, it's about the story of King Asa. For 35 years, for 35 years, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He, he, he ruled as a good king. He's one of the good kings of Israel. You know, he got rid of uh, the, the uh, idolatry, and he fortified the city. And for all of the things that he did that were the right things to do, the Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed him in a big way. The Lord anointed every decision that he made. In fact, in one case, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but in one case he, he went up against a, 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 an enemy who had a million men. They were a million strong. And he only had like 460,000, something like that. He went up against them and the Lord gave him a victory. Well, you know, generally speaking, that's, that's an automatic defeat, isn't it? But if it's in the Lord, the Lord can give us favor no matter what the circumstances are. So in his 35th year, he changed. Something happened, and he compromised. He compromised, and he made a treaty with an enemy ruler, with an enemy king. And first of all, I, I believe he took, he took uh, much of the the treasures from the temple and he gave it to, to an enemy to, to buy favor with the enemy king. Well, that's not a good thing to do, is it? That's not a good thing to do, but that's what he did and it was the beginning of the end for him. Later on, right at the end in chapter 16, verse 9, he sent, he sent a prophet to tell him what you have done is, is wrong. 
what you have done is wrong. But then he says, and this is the prophet telling the king, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in all the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal toward him. See, as the Lord looks for, looks for vessels, he looks for people that, that he can use. And he works through, through pastors like Timothy. And he gives ministry opportunity to faithful servants that can be used. And every ministry leader is always looking for faithful men and women, isn't he? And how do you judge faithfulness? You've got to hang out with the body of Christ, don't you? You've got to be there. You've got to be there so that the leaders can see and notice and say, Hey, can you help over here? Can you help over here? Can you do this? Can you do that? And it's okay to say no, but those are the people that God can use. Those are the people through those leaders that God can begin to use. So hang out with the body of Christ. You guys are here tonight. Awesome. Hang out with the body. As much as you can, hang out with the body of Christ. We're really a pretty good group of people, aren't we? And it's a lot of fun to hang out with the body of Christ. But in, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Faithful men and women. Not perfect men and women. Not smart men and women. Because if they were perfect or they're smart... I wouldn't be up here. Not popular men and women. No, faithful men and women. That is who ministry leaders will give uh, opportunities to. In 1 Corinthians at, uh, chapter 1, verse 26, it says, For you see your calling, brothers, that not many wise men according to the flesh are called, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And God has chosen the base things of the world and things which are, which are despised and things which are not in order to bring to nothing things that are. God chooses the foolish. God chooses the weak. God chooses the less honorable. Those that have humble hearts. See, the faithful servant has learned. The faithful servant has learned that God is faithful and that he will empower the servants, the servant that hungers and thirsts for opportunities to serve. He will give them what they need to serve in that opportunity. The Lord will place those that are available in places where they are needed. I'll give you a quick example. It was about a year ago, I got a call from Kim, and he needed a person to do convalescent ministry. And to be honest, I have sat out there for many, many years, kind of praying, Lord, don't give me convalescent ministry. I, because I didn't. I don't like convalescent homes. I don't like hospitals, you know. Don't give me convalescent ministry. Well, the timing was just right, as the Lord always is, isn't it? 
The timing is, was just right. He, he needed somebody to do it once a month so that he can go out and do door-to-door. The timing was, was just right. I was going through some challenges in my own life, and there was some very much like Paul had to deal with in 1 Corinthians 12. There were some answers that the Lord was giving me that wasn't exactly what I was asking him for. So I had to, I just had to cry out to the Lord. And I was crying out to the Lord for weeks, for months. Saying, Lord, I thought you told me to do this. Maybe. God could tell him, maybe. God will give us the answer that we need, not always the answer that we want. So I get this call and it was... You know what I've learned from convalescent ministry? And it's been a real blessing. I've learned that of the 15 or 20 people that are in their wheelchairs, and they're all in their wheelchairs, except for the nurses in the back of the room who are on their phone, God has shown me that every one of the persons in that room They have their physical ailments. They're there for a reason. They're all pretty much elderly, but they're there. They're there, and they may need some help to get into that room, but they're there. So they have their physical ailments. But what the Lord showed me was that they are no different with regard to spiritual ailments, with regard to spiritual hungers, without, with regard to spiritual desires, they're no different than any of you. And that just speaks volumes to me. Because people do hunger and thirst, don't they? People do want to hear from the Lord. I was uh, at a memorial service a couple of months ago. I was uh, talking to another brother. And I explained this as I just explained it to you. He said, you know what? That's exactly what I used to think about prison ministry. They're no different than any of you. Yes, their circumstance is different. And, and when it comes to prison ministry, they have done something against, their, against the law of the land that has put them in that place. But spiritually speaking, they're no different than any of you. So the Lord may call you into, into something that, that you don't want to do. But maybe it's something that you need to do so that he can show you his strength through your weakness. The Lord doesn't call those that are qualified. He qualifies those that are called. The faithful servant has learned and is able to live their life from a position of strength saying that I am blessed, I am favored, I am a child of God, I have His favor, I have His love, I I have His hand upon my life. When you've served for a while, you can experience that. And you can say that. And and you're just going to want to be more faithful because you're experiencing God's move in your life and in your heart. So be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In verses 3 through 6, Paul gives some very powerful examples of what he's saying. He's saying that in these three professions, 
they do not succeed without intense discipline, without undistracted focus, and, and without complete surrender to authority. He's talking about a soldier and an athlete and a farmer. Let's read those verses. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. It says, Therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one who wars entangles with the affairs of this life that he may please him who chose him to be a soldier. And also, if anyone competes, he is not crowned unless he competes lawfully. It is right for the hard-working farmer to partake first of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in all things. You see, a good soldier... A good soldier knows that being in the military is going to be very tough. A good soldier knows that, that he cannot be involved in the day-to-day issues of civilian life. He knows that being in the military means that you have to be focused. See, until you're relieved of your assignment, until your assignment is done, the focus has to be on what the commander is telling you to do. So it's a good place to inject a question. What is your commander telling you to do? How is this operation going to defeat your enemy? That has to be the focus. Anything else is a distraction. And if you're distracted, it could get you killed as a soldier, can it? A good soldier cannot succeed without intense discipline, undistracted focus, and complete surrender to authority. See, as believers, we need to understand this mindset because at times we can face hostility toward biblical truth and Christ-centered living. If we remain disciplined and we, and we remain focused, we can know that our efforts will pay off as we plant seeds, as we water seeds, knowing that God alone gives the increase. He alone can guide us to the right places and the right people where we can proclaim truth and be witness, be a witness as an instrument for the Lord. Next, he mentions the rules that govern athletics. Just last week, a week ago tonight, the Winter Olympics concluded in South Korea. And each sport, Each sport was judged according to a specific set of rules. So many times those, the winter games, whether summer or winter, they're they're very inspiring. Because you see all that that each athlete had to do to, to get to that point. Whether it's downhill skiing, ice skating, snowboarding, speed skating, cross country skiing, hockey, and even curling. and so many other sports that are in the Olympic Games. Every athlete has no choice but to compete according to a specific set of rules set up in advance by the governing board of that particular sport. See, the medals were not decided by the best outfits worn at the opening ceremonies. They weren't decided by the fastest person getting to the finish line without regard to the obstacles on the course. They weren't decided by who gets to the course first thing in the morning, were they? Each sport had a very specific set of rules 
that had to be followed in order for the judges to score each competition. In order to even get to the Olympic Games, each athlete has to compete in a local, regional, and national games just to make the team to represent their country and go to the Olympic Games. Each athlete prepares and knows that he will not receive any victory. He will not receive any medal unless they compete according to the rules established by that sport. Our rules are right here, aren't they? And we can get so much from these rules, some of the examples we've looked at tonight. Our rules are right here, and this is where the power is. This is where the grace is. This is where the favor is. This is where the blessings are. This is where the encouragement is when we need encouragement. There is so much here for the taking. And God is faithful to give us what we need when we need it. The third example that he gives here, he talks about a hard-working farmer. The term that Paul uses here is a term that speaks of working to the point of feeling extreme fatigue, the point of exhaustion. Farmers have to work very long, hour, very long hours in order to accomplish what they have set out to do, which is to collect a harvest at the right time. They want to live off the harvest. They want to feed the community off the harvest. There's some very specific things that they want to do with that harvest. In order to realize the harvest, they have to do certain things in order to make it happen. You see, as believers, we can and should be willing to work hard delivering the message of the gospel, knowing that the harvest will one day come in due time. In so many people's lives, we plant seeds. In so many people's lives, we water seeds. In so many people's lives, we, we, we serve God by serving His people. In so many situations in life, we, there's little things that we can do. And if we're consistent and persistent at it, God will honor that. Not always when we want. We're not always going to get an answer next week. Sometimes we'll get an answer many, many years down the road. The brother this morning, Charlie, what was his name? Campbell, Charlie Campbell. <laughs> he talked about that, didn't he? It could be many years down the road when we get an answer. Then you go back and you say, God, thank you for the opportunity to plant that seed. Thank you for the opportunity to, to, to pray even when I didn't want to pray. Thank you for the opportunity to water that seed. See, Paul wasn't just a blessed man. He wasn't just an anointed servant. Paul knew that ministry takes work, but he knew that ministry works. Ministry works and lives can be changed if we do what our commander is asking us to do. Ministry works and lives can be changed if we wait for the harvest, which will come in due time. That is why he uses the example of the hard-working farmer, an example that we should consider as we run the marathon of our life with Christ. 
the farmer understood that one day the harvest will come. So Paul here has given us three great examples of how to conduct our lives as believers. In looking at these three occupations, success can only be accomplished if there is discipline and perseverance. If a soldier engaged in warfare is distracted, he's not going to win the war, is he? If an athlete tries to make up his own rules, he's not going to win any awards. I remember one, one competition. It was downhill skiing. It was in the early uh, preliminary rounds. And, you know, they're going pretty fast, if you've seen any of those. And they've got the slalom, and they've got these obstacles, and they've got to go around them, and constant going around them. And, and one particular, he might have been an American, I forget. He was in the preliminary rounds, and he makes uh, his first couple of turns no problem. And then one particular turn, he just goes airborne. He goes airborne, he couldn't get the traction back to be able to make the turn around the next obstacle. So he went on the outside of the obstacle. And then he just gave up. But he had to give up. Because he wasn't going to get the proper scoring. He wasn't even going to, there would have been too much of a penalty to try and get back on the course. You know, we've got to go by the rules, don't we? That skier had to go by the rules. He missed a turn. Something happened. Something went wrong. He can come back in the next round and obviously have to make up for those points and stuff, but we've got to go according to the rules. If the, if the farmer stops working hard, he will not be able to partake of the harvest. A month ago tonight was the Super Bowl. And this year, sometimes we watch the Super Bowl just for the commercials, right? But what was neat was this year there was a good game that went with it. It was especially good because the winning team, uh, the, the coach of the winning team and the MVP of the game, you know, they, they both gave glory to God. And, you know, there's, there's believers on the other team too. But when, when somebody has that kind of success and they give glory to God, you know, believers should just stand up and just praise the Lord because it's, it's awesome, it's powerful, it's beautiful, and it's what we all should do when we experience any kind of success. But, but during the commercials, I was watching them. I think they're interesting, and some are good, and some are okay. And there was one particular commercial that got my attention. It was a truck commercial. I think it might have been Dodge Ram or something like that. But, you know, they're showing this video of trucks doing what trucks do and going over rocks and going up and down you know, puddles and, and through difficult traction and so on and so forth. But in the background was a voice. It was a voice of a man saying some things that were pretty powerful. You know, I, I don't necessarily know that, that it, was, it, it made complete sense with regard to the truck, but it was, it was beautiful. I looked it up and I found it. It was from Martin Luther King, Jr. And this is what he said. He says, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. If we can understand these principles... 
and put them to work in our lives, we're going to be stronger today than we were yesterday. We're going to be stronger tomorrow than we are today. If we seek His strength, He's going to meet us right where we're at. And He's going to give us all that we need to be an instrument in the hand of God. And I just got to say in closing that the recent Valentine's dinner that we had was a, a, a blessing. It was a blessing putting it together. And it was especially a blessing to watch God's hand work on every detail from the very early stages of preparation. God's hand was at work right up until that night. We had 45 couples here. What a blessing that was. And we just pray that that will strengthen every one of those marriages as well as others, other people that are watching. God will show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He will show himself strong on anybody who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. It's not always the answer that we need. Excuse me. It's not always the answer that we want. It's always the answer that we need. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you again for the privilege of being here with the body of Christ, Lord. We thank you for the honor of being able to rightly divide the word of truth. We thank you, Lord, for just all that you give us in your word, Lord. This our rule book, Lord. This where we find so much to live our lives and to commit our hearts to you. Lord, I pray that you would touch every person in this place, meet them right where they're at, Father, and as their commander, Lord, tell them what to do. Tell them in which direction they need to move. Lord, Holy Spirit, just minister to their lives right now. And this week, Lord, just speak to them as only you can speak to us. Father, bless every person in this place and every person watching. Bless them, Lord, that because your word has gone forth, Lord, it shall not return void. And we thank you for that, Father. We give you glory now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The, um, next week, we'll look at uh, some more chapters in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And don't forget, April 14th will be our date night at Lifehouse Theater. Now, we say date night, but it's actually a daytime event. But it, it doesn't sound right to say date day, right? So uh, sign up for that. It's a, it's a privilege. Hang out with us. Uh, you don't have to be a couple, uh, but we want to encourage uh, couples to be there. So God bless you guys.
bless you guys. Have a good week. Week. <laughs>